Hey everyone, this is Ray. And this is TJ. And you're listening to Reconnect. TJ, this is our fourth podcast. Yes, it is. Yeah, episode four. Wow. And we've had a lot of really interesting topics for our first three up until now. Our first one was religion. Is it a disease or a cure? Oh, I like that title. Right? Yeah. So pretty good. I think you thought of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, our second was, does God care? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where we talked about some interesting perspectives, looking at it from God's perspective and also the people who accuse God of being indifferent. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. And our third one was, what is faith? Mm. Mm. Yeah. What is faith? Okay. If you are one of our listeners right now and you have not had a chance to listen to any of these episodes, please, we highly encourage you to do so. Mm. They are available for you to listen to. And if you have listened to them and you enjoyed what you heard, please continue to recommend them to other people so they they can have a chance to listen to it as well. But for today, okay, ready? Mm. Would you have believed in Jesus 2,000 years ago? Would I have believed in Jesus 2,000 years ago? Mm. So you're saying, would I have believed in Jesus as a Jew, right? 2,000 years ago, putting myself in those in their shoes. Yes, putting yourself in those sandals 2,000 years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Would you have believed in Jesus? For all of us, especially us as Christians, Jesus is so deeply rooted into our society and, and, and culture. Everyone knows about Jesus, right? Yes. Yes. And, and especially for us as Christians, whether you've grown up in a Christian home or whether you became a Christian at a later date, Jesus is obviously someone who we claim to believe in. But this topic is really interesting because when we think about it, would I really have believed in him 2,000 years ago? Mm. I think it's interesting because whenever we talk about this topic, it takes us back and allows us to see the reality of what it was like at the time. Mm. So I'm hoping that you take us there. (laughs) I hope so too, yeah. Let's slip into some 2,000-year-old sandals and find out. Okay, sounds good. All right, so (laughs) we travel back in time 2,000 years ago. Mm. One thing we really need to think about is how the world was at that time. What our life is, the the setting that we're in 2,000 years ago. We're living Mm. in a time where our people are under control of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there is something that has been prophesied. Mm -hmm. Something that has been passed on from generation to generation. Something that me 2,000 years ago would really be looking forward to. We've been promised through scripture, Mm. through prophecy, a Messiah to come. Mm, Yes. Messiah was prophesied, right? And the Israelites were waiting for this Messiah. And the meaning of Messiah, for those of you who are listening don't know yet, it means savior. The reason this is significant to the Israelites is, well, basically because they've been oppressed throughout history. I mean, Ray, let's look at Egypt. Mm. They were enslaved, they were oppressed, and they got out. They went into the land of Canaan and they had a good time. Did they? Uh, they had a good run for a while. For, for a while. while. Okay. Okay. They disobeyed God time and time again. These foreign powers came and invaded, conquered. And whenever that happened, they asked for a savior and God sent it to them. But even after that, they were invaded by Babylon, Assyria, and now <laughs> it's the Roman Empire. So imagine being an Israelite at that time, 2,000 years ago, where you have all of this history Mm. of over, over, and over again, having somebody else that's actually 
telling you what to do, not giving you all the rights and the freedoms that you want, right? Yeah. And that kind of feeling mm-hmm. as an individual at that time must have been terrible. Mm-hmm. But you also have this hope, mm-hmm. this prophecy right, of this Messiah to come. Yeah. What's really interesting there is that whether you are a, a Christian or not, the verse that I'm about to read, you've most likely heard it in one form or another. Uh, this is Isaiah 9, 6, and we'll see if our listeners recognize it. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Imagine being alive 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know this prophecy. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading this passage, mm-hmm. And the government will be on his shoulders. That part of it in particular, mm. what am I actually expecting? Mm. What kind of Messiah am I expecting? Right. So as a Jew, if I read this verse and I'm hoping for a Messiah, it seems like it's saying he's going to have a lot of authority. He's going to bring mm. that authority and he's going to be the prince of peace. Give the Israelites peace. That's what I would hope from right. this verse. Exactly. If we look at Micah 5 two, because we also have something a, a lot more specific about this Messiah that's to come, about where he is actually expected to come from because it's in the prophecy, where I would be looking for him to come from. Let's see what the content is. I'll read this for you as well. Okay, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient time. Okay. Okay, so... We have Isaiah 9, 6. Okay, cool. I'm expecting this person's going to have, like, authority. Yeah, the government's going to bend to his will. This is great. I'm expecting someone like Moses. Awesome. And in the prophecy itself, it's saying that this Messiah is coming from Bethlehem. Great. Okay, but now let's look at Jesus. I'm there 2,000 years ago, and I'm hearing about this person claiming to be the Messiah. But he's introduced to me as Jesus of Nazareth. He's mm-hmm. coming from Nazareth. Mm. And I don't know how many of our listeners are actually making this connection right now, but historically, at that time, 2,000 years ago, our reaction would probably be, Ugh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Nazareth. Mm. Nazareth, pretty much, you can equate it to, like, the hood. The hood. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It does not have a good reputation at all. Mm-hmm. So... If I have known just a little bit about the prophecy of the Messiah that that has been promised, and I'm hearing about this person claiming to come from Nazareth, this Jesus, that connection probably is not lining up for me. Mm. If we look in the Bible, we have an account of that as well. In John 146, we actually have Philip who's trying to introduce this guy named Nathaniel to Jesus. Oh, I've heard about this guy named Jesus from Nazareth. He he checks off all the boxes. He's a Messiah that's promised, definitely. And Nathaniel's uh, reaction is priceless. It's, can anything good come from Nazareth? Hmm. So hmm. <laughs> essentially, it's that, ugh. Yeah. So even from this verse, you can see that Nazareth is a place of ridicule by the Jews. Yes. Imagine how tough it would be. Mm-hmm. You're believing in this prophecy of where this leader it's supposed to come from. This person will be ruler over the government. This person will be the promised Messiah that we're looking for that's mm-hmm. supposed to take us all out of captivity, right? And then the fact that, okay, well, this person's not even from Bethlehem. I think for a lot of people at that mm-hmm. time, they probably crossed that off their list. Like, no, 
So you're saying they were expecting a king or a prince, and someone who's claiming to be the prince has come from the hood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Essentially, yes. My head is full of Fresh Prince of Bel Air references, but I'll ignore those for now. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, exactly. And it's not like the average person at that time, honestly, is going to walk up to Jesus and be like, hey, man, where were you born? The fact that you hear about this guy being from Nazareth, you're probably just going to ignore him altogether and just move on and continue looking for that Messiah to come. Mm -hmm. Okay, but let's say that you're one of our listeners right now and you're like, hey, that, okay, fine, good point. But I still think that I would have recognized him. I still think that I would have still followed him anyway. Yeah. Regardless of that point. Well, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, okay. You can say he's from Nazareth, from this hood. <laughs> but if you've watched any of the Christian movies or TV series, you can see that he doesn't look like a guy from Nazareth. And I think many of our listeners would argue that's what made people gravitate towards Jesus. Mm, okay, I think I know what you're saying, TJ. Mm. So you're referring to the handsome chiseled, perfectly exfoliated skin, flowing locks of hair, and perfectly trimmed beard, right? That version of Jesus, right? Well, basically, that's what we see in the media. Whenever we think about Jesus, that's what comes to mind. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's the same for our listeners as well. But we're not thinking about today. We're putting ourselves into the shoes, the sandals of someone 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Does that appearance of Jesus, the one that we're so used to, the one that seems so perfect, does that actually match up to what the Bible says about him? It sounds like you're insinuating that that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, that is exactly what I'm trying to point to. So let's, let's look at the prophecies again, right? Because that's what I would be pulling my information from at that time 2,000 years ago, ideally, right? So let's look at Isaiah 53 too. And let's see what the Bible says about Jesus' appearance 2,000 years ago. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So not good looking. Not good looking. And uh, it gets worse, so to speak. Chapter 52, verse 14. Just as there were so many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. TJ, that's... <laughs> that kind of seems a bit harsh. <laughs> if you say someone's appearance is so disfigured beyond that of any man, I don't know what to picture. Yeah. In no small terms, the scriptures are actually saying that this Messiah mm. that's to come is not someone that's good looking. Is someone you might actually be repulsed to see, which is a big difference to the way we've seen the Messiah, Jesus, portrayed in the 2,000 years since. Very different. But let's say that I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you know what? Appearance doesn't matter. TJ, Ray, you know what? That's a good point. The scripture might actually say that. But if I were there 2,000 years ago, I'd still totally follow him. Well, I, I do want to point out that you said that people looked at the prophecies. They read it. They probably read Isaiah 53 and 52. And if they read this, wouldn't they have recognized Jesus even more if he was not good looking? That's, uh, that's the thing. I have read, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something to you. I grew up in a Christian home like we've talked about on this podcast before. And for me, I've read 
lots of scripture going up as well. But there's been many things that I've completely forgot about or I read half-heartedly or it was told to me and preached to me and I just completely missed the point because maybe I was focusing more on my own expectations mm. than what the scripture actually said. Maybe I'm thinking mm -hmm. more about what I ideally expect personally from this Messiah and not so much making that connection to what the scripture says. Mm, right, right. And I think as Christians, we all do have that tendency of cherry picking. They probably did read this verse, but if what you're saying is true, they may have overlooked it because that's not the Messiah they want. Right. Picking up from where um, I left off before, let's say that I'm listening right now to, our, to this episode. And at this point, I'm like, no, I would still follow him, regardless of his appearance. I would still totally follow him. Okay. Or maybe I did follow him. Maybe I did follow, read the scriptures. I'm like, cool, I followed him. Awesome. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I, I recognize his appearance, but this is what the scripture says. I'm going to follow him anyway. Okay. It's easy for, for us to say that. Putting ourselves there 2,000 years ago. It's pretty easy. Because we maybe we'll say that we that actually what matters most is what he's saying, what Jesus is saying, what is he teaching, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the reason why we would continue to follow him. Mm -hmm. But let me bring up an example for you. Let's look at John 6, right? So this is pretty famous because this mm. is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. So let me take you there for a moment. 5,000 people, they're there, <laughs> to hear Jesus speak. And I guess one thing that we don't really think about is the reason why they actually were attracted to him to begin with. It actually says in John 6 that they were there because of the miracles that they witnessed. Oh, mm -hmm. So because of the miracles that they saw Jesus do, 5,000 people gathered to hear him, mm -hmm. to see him. And of course, as is normal with people, we get hungry. So they're hungry and then his disciples come up to him and say, Jesus, man, they, their stomachs are rumbling. We got to do something about it. Okay, cool. But we only have five bowls of bread and two fish. So <laughs> Jesus makes this amazing miracle happen where he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Miracle. A miracle. Exactly. Another miracle. So imagine I'm already following him because of these miracles. And I'm with all these other thousands of people that are following him because of these miracles. I witness another one. We're actually being fed, which is awesome. <laughs> so I'm there. Maybe I'm in the middle of eating or maybe I just finished eating. And then Jesus opens his mouth to speak. And he starts talking about that I have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Oof. Yeah, oof is right. Imagine how that sounds. We're talking about people that have come from one way of teaching and they're being challenged with something that sounds so morbid. One of the questions I might have is like, is this guy promoting cannibalism? <laughs> yeah. What have I gotten into? You know, what was the reaction that they had? What, what does John 6 show us about the reaction that they had at the time? Well, if we look at verse 60, they said, Master, this is a hard teaching. Mm. You know, how can I accept this? Mm -hmm. And then we see, like, six verses later, many of them left. Because it was difficult to accept? Yeah, well, it's difficult to accept. And obviously, Jesus is not promoting cannibalism. But imagine being there at that time. And this is what you hear. If you're there, and I think what's something that's really key there is, is what, what I talked about earlier about that those 5,000 people following him because of those miracles. Mm -hmm. Were their hearts actually in the right place to actually hear what he has to say, whether it was challenging or not? 
Mm. Or were they following miracles? Based on what happened in the end, I think we can conclude that they were there for the miracles. Because if we look at John 6, they ate the bread, they ate the fish, and they wanted to make Jesus king. They followed him around. They tried to find him. Jesus ran away, actually. That's right. That's right. Because he, he knew their intention of wanting to make him king. But that's what they wanted. Why? Because they saw this miracle happen. They felt like, if I believe in this guy, I'm never going to go hungry again. This is the Messiah, I believe. <laughs> and like you said, as soon as he says, eat my flesh and blood, they ran away. Yeah. It just takes me back to the expectation that you talked about in the beginning. I don't think it was what they expected. Mm. They wanted to be saved from hunger, from this oppression. But as we know, Jesus was there to save them from something else. And because they expected something completely different, when Jesus proposed what he came to give, they just couldn't accept it. I'm imagining myself in that same position. Can I honestly say that I would have continued following him? Even as Christians, we can also ask a similar question, which would be, why do I believe in Jesus now? Mm. Is it for the purpose of what he wants to give us? Or do I have another intention in my heart mm. in following Jesus? Because mm. now God and Jesus look at our spirits. They know what's inside. And I think the story in this Bible here about the 5,000 people who ate the five loaves of bread and two fish, that serves as an example for modern day Christians to think about whether or not we're following Jesus for the right reasons. Yeah. Are we following Jesus for the right reason? Mm, yeah. Let's say you're listening right now and your thought is, no, my expectation would be completely different than everything that you guys just mentioned. I'm like, okay, okay. Let's say that's the case. But let's think about, like we talked about earlier, the time period, the setting that you would be in 2,000 years ago as an Israelite. Now, we talked about yesterday, they're under the control of the Roman Empire. But actually, a huge influence during that time are the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. And we know from reading the mm -hmm. Bible that they were not fans of Jesus at all. And why was that? Well, they were in a position where they're pretty comfortable. I mean, think about it. They are the religious authority at the time. They are those who enforce the law. And for me as an individual, you and I, if we were alive 2,000 years ago at that time, our entire social network, our reputation as an individual, whether or not we're treated well by our neighbors or uh, friends and other people at that time, it all hinged upon the authority, the opinion of those Pharisees and teachers of the law. So it's very similar to the church community these days. Yeah. Because if you go to church <laughs> and you garner a bad reputation within the church, then it's, it's difficult to come out of that situation. Exactly. It is huge to be removed from a church, to be kicked out of a church, to have a bad reputation. And at that time, I mean, we can see that specifically in John 9, 22, it says that the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was a Christ would be put out of the synagogue. So excommunicated. Hmm. We know how serious that is if we look into the medieval ages. Being excommunicated is basically saying you're committing social suicide. And I think it's worse because everybody believed in Jesus at the time and being excommunicated from the Catholic Church meant that yeah. you are no longer viable for heaven. Yeah. You're going to hell for sure. And there's no hope for you. I think it's very similar to this case. It's hard to imagine 
anyone really going out of their way to show the same kind of care and attention and love to you when you've been excommunicated. That is a tough situation to be in. Yeah. If you have an attachment to your church or your community and believing in Jesus forces you to come out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and be ostracized, you might make a different decision. Would it have been so easy to believe in Jesus? Maybe not. Yeah. But maybe you're still listening at this point and you're like, hey, no, I would never do that. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. Maybe that's not so important mm. for you. In which case, I mean, being kicked out of the church, huh, what's that got to do with me <laughs> if I have Jesus? Right, right. right. But a big question here, 2000 years ago, at that time, would you even have been able to recognize him? Honestly. Well, well let's put ourselves there 2,000 years ago. This next example connects pretty well to 2021 as well. Jesus wasn't the only person at that time claiming to be the Messiah. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's a surprise for some of our listeners, but no, he wasn't. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's the same today where we have for years and years and years, we've had people that have claimed to be the Messiah. And it's hard to imagine maybe 2,000 years ago at that time that there were people alive gathering followers speaking and, and claiming to be the messiah as well a really good point to actually illustrate here is at, from acts 5 well, i might butcher the pronunciation here but you know, forgive <laughs> me and tj maybe you can help me out as well okay. but, but if you look at acts 5 verses 34 to 39 where we have the apostles brought before the sanhedrin and among them we have this really wise member of the sanhedrin has a good reputation I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pronounce his name. Bear with me. Gamaliel? Gamaliel. Gamaliel? Oh. I think that would be the Korean slash English pronunciation. <laughs> Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Korean slash English, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll go with it for now. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll listen back when we're finished and, I'll, and I'll, I'll laugh. But All right, so he's really wise. And he says that, hey, if these dudes, if what they're saying, what they're claiming is false then we're only going against men. But if what they're saying is true, and they have been sent by God, then we're going against God. And that's a very wise thing to say, especially really surprising from someone who's a member of Sanhedrin at the time. But what connects us to our point for today's topic is he mentions other people who had been alive at that time period, who were claiming to be Messiah-like figures, who had hundreds of people who were following them, but in the end, were found to be false. So it was a situation that wasn't uh, unlike 2021, where there are people out there claiming that they are the Messiah. So it was the same 2,000 years ago as well. So you're saying that it wasn't uncommon that people would come out and start proclaiming that they were the Messiah. Jesus wasn't the first one right. to do that. Right, he wasn't the first one to do that. And if... We had been alive 2,000 years ago. How would we be able to tell the difference? Well, Jesus, for one, he he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, that's true. That That is very true. Mm -hmm. Right? But we already talked about... Turn water, water into water wine, into wine. Mm -hmm. walk on water. Yes, yes he's mm -hmm. a perfect person to have at a party. Um, but... <laughs> 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 but... In all seriousness, TJ, we already talked about the motivation for seeking the Messiah and how those 5,000 people, 
might not have had the right motivation. If you're only focusing on miracles, is that enough to recognize the Messiah? If we look back into the Old Testament at the time of Moses, right? When Moses was actually going up to Pharaoh mm -hmm. continuously <laughs> under God's command and trying to get the Israelites out of captivity that they'd been in for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. We can look back there and we can see that Pharaoh had his own magicians, right? Who performed what we could call miracles. So we see Moses performing miracles, of course, but we also see Pharaoh's magicians performing miracles. And think about it. That illustrates that miracles aren't something just exclusive to Jesus or to people that were chosen by God. Satan can use that as well. So we can see that in the scripture. <laughs> so focusing on miracles, we should just throw that out altogether. Miracles cannot be mm -hmm a qualification for whether someone is the Messiah or not. It's just not possible. So what is a qualification? Because like, I understand what you said. And I think that is probably the reason why the 5,000 people who follow Jesus, witnessing all these miracles left in the end because they could not understand Jesus and it wasn't what they wanted from Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So what is the qualification? That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is actually the question we've been building up to throughout this entire conversation that we've been having. Mm -hmm. What is the qualification? If we look in the New Testament, if we look in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. To fulfill the law or the prophets? Mm -hmm. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, just like we've been reading, if we were alive 2,000 years ago, what would we be clinging to for hope? It would be the prophets. It would be these words that were given by God to promise this Messiah to come. Hmm. And hold that thought for a moment. Then let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus says, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, in the Psalms. Okay. I think that Jesus is making things pretty clear here. Mm. Why would this be important? Mm -hmm. We would be looking for that promise that God put into the prophecies, something to hold on to that when the time comes for that Messiah to actually be here, mm -hmm. <laughs> 2000 years ago, they were supposed to hold on to that so that they were able to recognize it when it happened. Mm -hmm. The only way to know, to recognize, that person claiming to be the Messiah is if it's proven in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, DJ? Yeah, I think it does. So what you're saying is God promised a Messiah in a very specific way. Through his prophets, he prophesied that Jesus would have to come out of Bethlehem and all these different prophecies that indicated how the Messiah would come and what he needed to do when he's here. And Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. Exactly. Throughout this conversation, we've only been touching on a few of those prophecies. But for, for our listeners, this is something that is very important, mm -hmm. right? Because I, for all the examples that we've been using, I think we can come to the conclusion that it would, in fact, have been very different to believe in Jesus 2,000 years ago. Yeah. At the very least, I would hope that's something that we can all agree on. Well, 
He was very different from what the Israelites were expecting during that time. He was not the typical savior that was going to free them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. He was not handsome, chiseled. Well, he was quite the contrary, like you said. <laughs> That's what the scripture says. <laughs> we may have not seen Jesus in person, but we can believe the scriptures because that's God's word. And God's word is saying, let's go back and see what that said. Let me read it again because it was quite shocking and harsh. <laughs> it said, Jesus was so disfigured. The Messiah would be so disfigured beyond that of any man. Mm. So we can see that Jesus was not good looking. Mm -hmm. Check. And there was a lot of pressure from religious leaders and from the community during the time. If you believed in Jesus, you would be excommunicated. You would be kicked out of the church. You had to risk that and also so many messiahs, so many self-proclaiming messiahs. So many. How to choose. How to choose. And all these were obstacles during the time of Jesus. It would have been difficult to believe in him. Yeah, it would have been very difficult. I know that right now, some of our listeners are probably thinking, okay, well, what about the disciples? They followed him. Mm -hmm. They stayed with him. They gave up everything to follow him. Mm -hmm. So what did they rely on? What gave them that faith in him? Mm. Well, it's the same situation today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's the scriptures. We've been given this Bible for a reason. And that reason is so that we're able to open it up and recognize the promises that have been written mm. in it. So by knowing the scriptures and knowing the content of it, like truly, really knowing it, we're able to recognize when that fulfillment mm. comes. When those promises come true. If our listeners right now are like, okay, well, what promises are you talking about? We highly encourage you to take the time to open up the word and find out those promises. Because 2,000 years ago, just like Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Mm -hmm. It's the word, it's the scriptures, it's the Bible that is able to verify any claims that are made mm. or to disprove them. You know, it's funny because... A lot of Christians and the students that I've met have asked me why it's necessary to read the Old Testament. Does that even pertain to us? Mm. And what I tell them is because the Old Testament is there for us to believe in Jesus. It's there for us to verify that Jesus is the Messiah. A lot of people think that the Old Testament is just history, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's very specific prophecies and promises of how God will send his Messiah. And without knowing the Old Testament, mm -hmm it would be next to impossible to have believed in Jesus 2,000 years ago. Despite all his not so good looking appearance, despite all the religious leaders holding you back, giving you pressure. And regardless of all these things, if you knew the word, if you knew what the Old Testament said, you would have believed in Jesus. And I think, Ray, mm. the next question for us to ask our listeners is what? We not only have the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament. What is that promise? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has the promise that we as Christians have been holding dear for so long. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, the New Testament says that Jesus is coming again. This is the hope for all Christians. This is yep. literally the reason mm -hmm. why we're Christians to begin with. Yes. Acknowledging that fact, that hope that we're waiting for. It's like Luke 18, 8, where Jesus says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Hmm. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what would we need to recognize him? What would we need to know? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is quite plain and simple. 
what did the Israelites have to know 2,000 years ago in order to recognize Jesus? The Bible. <laughs> and God is consistent. God is true. And truth doesn't change. Like so, what do we need to know in order to know the New Testament? Well, God's word. How is Jesus going to come again? Well, we can find out through the word. That's right. And if you have been listening so far and you've taken the time to reflect on what your belief in Jesus in God's promises is connected to. If it can't be connected to appearance or miracles or feelings, it has to be, must be connected to the word. That has to be the source of our belief. So I really encourage our listeners to actually take the time to really ask yourself the, that question, as tough as it might be, what is my belief in Jesus connected to? Where is it sourced from? If, it, if it's connected to where you're from or your family or who you're married to or dating or anything like that, if it's just connected to just regular church attendance, that's not good enough. It has to be sourced from the word. Mm -hmm. If you've been listening so far to this episode of the podcast, it's definitely a step in that right direction. For those of you who have been sending us emails and questions and topics for the future, you guys are awesome. Keep them coming, please because we love reading them. TJ and I have had a lot of thoughts about what our next topics will be for future episodes. You guys help out a lot with that. So if you've been doing so, continue. We love it. And if you haven't, feel free. What are you waiting for? You know you have questions. Go for it. Ask and you shall receive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we have time for today. Um, please like, subscribe, download, share with friends. Listen to it in your headphones when you're going for a jog, when you're going for a walk, when you're driving. All of it, please. We really appreciate it. And until next time, this has been Ray. And this has been TJ. And you have been listening to Reconnect. Reconnect. <laughs> nope, that was wrong. We're not going to get that right. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Okay, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.